Pass first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You are listening to another episode of Locked On Blazers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Today's show is brought to you by the good folks at Built Bar. Make sure you head over to builtbar.com and use the promo code Locked On. You'll get twenty percent off your next order. Got a wonderful show for you today. The Blazers played for the first time in a week, and they won. But instead of diving deep on what happened to the Knicks, I want to use this Knicks win as sort of a launching point to look at what's next for the Blazers. I want to talk about the most important stat in this game and the one that I'll be watching for the next two months. What I think is the absolutely the most single most important number to pay attention to for the Blazers over the next seven to eight weeks until CJ McCollum and Yusuf Nurkic return. I want to talk about what the Blazers learned in practice. They had real time off to get in on the practice court and improve themselves or more accurately add a few new wrinkles, reintroduce some stuff. I want to talk about what they did, what they did on the practice court in the second segment. And then I want to close out the show just answering a simple question. Is is anything that happened on Sunday evening against the New York Knicks sustainable, repeatable, and a sign of the Blazers sort of growing a little bit they've they they're being tasked with with a real challenge here playing without their second and third best player for an extended period of time is anything that they did on sunday against a a perfectly okay but maybe actually bad knicks team sustainable and important but let's start with the number let's start with the most important the number the number that i'm going to be watching in every single blazer game from here on out here on out until CJ McCollum is back on the court playing regular starter minutes. But CJ is out with for at least six weeks, and I would I would I would wager likely or at least a month, and I would wager more towards like six or eight weeks. So in that time that he's gone, the number I'm gonna watch is the Blazers plus minus when Damian Lillard is off the floor. The number against the New York Knicks was one. Blazers outscored the Knicks by three points in the first half when Damian Lode was on the bench. They outscored the Knicks by minus two points. And by that, I mean the Knicks outscored the Blazers by two in the third quarter when Dame took his typical rest there. Excuse me, start of the fourth quarter, rather. In 13 minutes, Damian Lode played 35 tonight. So in 13 non-Dame minutes, the Blazers were a plus one. That's the most important number for the Blazers going forward. They're going to be okay when Damian Lillard is on the court. He's a superstar, y'all. He's one of the 10 best players in the NBA. And tonight, playing this first game since the birth of his twins, his second and third children, Dame had 39 on 11 of 17 shooting, 8 assists, and 5 boards. Made his first 8 shots. Made all 11 of his free throws. He, he started about as hot as you can start. 8 of 8, 5 of 5 from deep. Cooled down a little bit just because that's how math works. Um, it's also how basketball works. But they're going to be okay when Dame plays. That's the, I'm not really worried about that. Like they, they're he's good enough to drag them and sort of any combination of their better players towards competitiveness if he's if he's on the court, right? Like if they start to struggle when Dame is in the game, it doesn't really matter. If they're bad when he's playing, the, this this experiment d- doesn't matter. But I'm but I'm pretty confident they're going to be good when Dame plays because he's good, like he's a he's a super duper star. 
So what will define the season? What will define the next six weeks and ultimately define the entire season? Whether the Blazers can stay afloat, whether they can stay in playoff contention, whether they can keep themselves in the place they want to be, are those non-Dame minutes. Like, that's that's what is going to define this season. It's, it's can Gary Trent Jr., can Carmelo Anthony, can Anthony Simons, can those... Can that group, Harry Giles, Nazir Little, that bench group, can they survive? Can they, can they, I don't think they can thrive. Like, I don't want to go that far. I'm not, I'm not under the impression that some combination of Nas, Ant, Gary Mello, and Harry Giles, uh, even mix in Rocco and Derek Jones Jr. in there uh, for, you know, bench plus a starter minutes. I'm, I'm, they're not going to thrive. So I, I don't want to say like, can this team excel? Can they find a, like a, I'm, I'm not going that far. I don't even think they need to be um, much better than they were tonight. If they were, had been plus six, if they had repeated their plus three from the first half and the second half and been plus six, I'd be singing their praises, y'all. I think plus one is a totally winnable number. I think a positive number in the non-Dame minutes is a totally winnable game for this team. Now, the Blazers almost blew this game with Damian Lillard on the court at the end. Like, it, that, it got gross at the end. Dame was on the court. That's, like I said, if they're bad when Dame is playing, the experiment doesn't matter. Like, it's, we can throw it out. The most important, the most defining part of this stretch is going to be how they play without him. Because if they're okay without him, they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. Like they're going to be, they're going to stay right in the middle of that what that very crowded and very 500 Western Conference playoff playoff mix. Like every team in that group. I mean, there'll be some separation eventually, but a lot of teams in that group are hovering right around 500 or just above it. Blazers are kind of uh, you know slightly ahead of that whole of that whole slog of teams right there in the middle. And if they can be, if they can outscore teams regularly by about four in the 13 minutes that Dame's out of the game, they're going to be just fine. It is the absolutely the most important number. The season-defining number is those non-Dame minutes going forward. Experiment one. I mean, we're throwing out the Spurs game, okay, y'all? Uh, we didn't exactly. The Spurs game was a little bit rough, and I hadn't developed a formula for, for figuring out how the Blazers were going to do it. I mean, be good when your best player's not on the court is the obvious formula, but we're just going to ignore that. We're going to start the count right here. Game one of using this formula, the Blazers are plus one. And we'll just see. We'll see how it goes. Obviously, they're going to get smoked some of these games. They're going to win big some of these games. It's going to throw things off. But I think over the next six weeks, this number, this this sort of larger as we get further down the line, uh, this larger plus minus will define their season. All, the non-Dame minutes will define this team season. I think, for me, it is the number one stat I'm going to be keeping track of over, over the next month or so. One of the reasons that I've arbitrarily thrown out the Spurs debacle from Monday was that uh, the Blazers had practice time since then. They got back out on the court and they 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 got to do got some real teaching in, and we saw some some discernible, obvious, tangible changes, tangible things that they very clearly worked on in practice. I want to talk about that in the second segment. Terry Stotts had five days to make this team better. How did he do it? That's what we'll talk about in segment number two. But first, let's talk a little bit more about Bilt Bar. Y'all know Bilt Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. And if you're not familiar with Bilt Bar, let me tell you. It's the best tasting protein bar ever. Look, I got a box of Bilt Bars in my house right now. 
I ate one today. I ate one Sunday afternoon. I needed a little snack. My wife and I were going on a walk. We had kind of missed a meal because we were having a weird day. You know, we grabbed we grabbed a Bill Bar. One of their 18 amazing flavors. In fact, it was German chocolate cake. And that that flavor. It's low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high in fiber, just like all of their bars. The fuel you need. A better snack option than many, many things in your pantry. And it tastes great too. It's got that candy bar-like texture. It's not chalky and gross like other protein bars you may have tried in the past. Built Bar is delicious. So go get your hands on some of these. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKDOWN. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKDOWN. 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right. Shout out to Dre Slaps, who makes the music for this program. Support local music and support my man, Dre. You can find a link to all his work and his merch store in the episode description for this very episode. Also, if you're an NBA basketball fan listening to this podcast, get more sports news you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski, host Locked On Today. It's a daily podcast that's breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from the local experts. You can start your day with all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes. So subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get podcasts. All right, so we talked we talked the Blazers' big number in the first in the first segment, but there was basketball stuff that happened on the court. Um, Blazers, you know, this they were rolling in this game. Up, scored 70 points in the first half, up 25 in the third quarter, came all crashing down in the fourth. Uh, they near, they damn near lost this one with a really, really brutal final four minutes. But for now, throw it out. Uh, not aesthetically pleasing, um, maybe not super heartwarming. We'll talk about that more in the in the uh, third segment. But there were some tangible things in this game. Uh, they weren't the only reasons that the Blazers got, you know, scored 70 points in the first half and were cruising through three and a half quarters. But there were some changes. Terry Stotts had five days. The Blazers had two games postponed this week. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies in the in dealing with uh, contact tracing in the NBA's health protocols. They've had basically a week's worth of games, six, six straight days worth of games postponed. Blazers were supposed to play the Grizzlies twice. They didn't, which meant they got to get out on the basketball court. And it was the first time that they have had a full contact practice since the season began. Um, if you're, if this seems, if that seems crazy to you, that's kind of just how the NBA works. If you play every other day, you cannot get guys out on the court and, and have them run around and smash into each other. Um, they need the rest. The game, the season is too grueling. So having real off time which this strange sort of setup in the schedule allowed them, gave them a unique chance to get on the court. Like they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have naturally had this. It wasn't like the Blazers probably don't practice as much as, as some other teams, but they certainly aren't on the low end. Like um, plenty of teams basically straight up don't practice during the year. It's what the Blazers do is not unique. Um, And in this season, compressed season with all the everything going on, it's just hard to get guys out on the court. So, I'm not making a big deal over this being like their first practice. I can't believe they don't do this more. The, the The schedule dictated it be this way or that it was going to be this way. And this five-day break from not playing from Monday to Sunday uh, allowed them 
real time to get out there and, and get after it. And, and, and what it really allowed was Terry Stotts to install some stuff. What stuff, you ask? Well, we saw real things. The number one thing we saw, and this is what he promised, and I talked about this with in an interview I did with Jason Quick last week. Jason talked about it on the show. If you've missed either of those, they're still totally relevant. Jason provides great insight. They're in your feed right before this one. So one, one interview cut into two parts because we went a little long, and I didn't want to drag you on there. I want to bring Locked on to you in bite-sized formats. But in any case... Uh, the Blazers promised in these in these practices, or Terry Stotts promised that in these practices, they were going to install more movement sets, specifically with the second unit. Not like they're going to totally change up the way the offense works with Dame. They're going to give Dame the ball and let him do what he does. He's a really good basketball player. You kind of just got to trust him. But with the second unit, with not a real point guard, and Anthony Simons just isn't isn't a real point guard and isn't particularly close to being a real point guard in the NBA currently, but he has some real skills. Uh, so what the Blazers did in the first half, and what, particularly what we saw in the first half, they did it throughout the game, was that Stotts went back to some old classics, and that's basically just running the same offensive sets uh, we we've seen him running for the last eight years. He's been he's been here nine. This is beginning of season number nine, so eight plus seasons he's been here. Just. Uh, he ran it more strictly with the second unit and they got into actions where um, they ran through uh, his flow offense or versions of his flow offense with flare screens. Those are screens where guys kind of uh, move maybe laterally side to side. It's a little bit hard to explain in the podcast format, but movement sets, not just straight up high pick and roll stuff, not stuff that relies on, hey, Anthony Simons, can you run a pick and roll, beat your man, manipulate the defense, all these things. Just... Pass here, read here, cut here, um, simpler stuff. So it's not, not not totally reliant on Ant, who's just not suited to run an NBA offense. Um, and the early return's really good. Uh, both Ant and Gary Trent Jr. hit th- uh, three threes in the first half. That wasn't all offensive stuff, but it was clear that that team was committed to running more movement action, more, um, more sort of, you know, all five guys, run through a run through some type of movement pass cut screen all these things to keep the defense engaged so you so you do get engage all five defenders you do move all five defenders and things are a little bit easier um it wasn't the only reason that the blazers were cooking early i mean like i said damian lord made his first eight shots that really helps uh but it was clear that that was a point of emphasis and clear that the the second unit which was ant gary uh Nas Mello and Harry Giles uh, to start the second quarter was was committed to that. They ran two very recognizable plays from the Nick Batum West. Um, I should say sets, not necessarily plays, but two two sets um, from the Nick Batum West Matthews era Blazers, like stuff that's been in the playbook since 2012. And it worked. I mean, it, it's it didn't work. It didn't always work perfectly, but it, it set up it set up the Blazers in places where they could get reads. It wasn't like there. It isn't a singular read. It isn't like hey, you're going to come off the screen and immediately hit this dude, and he's he's going to shoot, and that's the play. It's like hey, this option's going to be there. Look for it. If not, we can go to this this secondary motion. And it was that that initial movement, and then the secondary motion stuff that got the second got that second unit into better position. And it and it didn't. 
Anthony Simons isn't a strong enough ball handler or a strong enough passer to play against a set engaged NBA defense where all 10 eyes are on him. So running these movement sets where he doesn't have to do that is just um, it's just a way better way to take advantage of what he does. And he, he he's a quick first step and he can shoot it. So asking him to be part of a sort of more egalitarian offensive system is better for Ant. And it's it was better for Gary and it was Harry Giles had some moments, although he did miss a couple bunnies inside and. In general, I liked it. I mean, it was, and it was just part of me liked it because it's like, hey, NBA coach is actually coaching. I've joked on this podcast before, if you're a long-time listener, that the only thing coaches do is decide who plays and wins, who who plays and win, rather. They don't decide who wins. Uh, but who plays and when, like, and this was an a obvious example of Stotts saying, here's what I want to do, here's what we're going to do, and the guy's going out and doing it. It's, um... I thought that was uh, meaningful and notable. The other thing that he clearly obviously did, that Stotts obviously did, was he installed his own defense. They played a boatload of it. I'm not sure that the Blazers are going to play a ton of zone defense going forward. But against the Knicks, a team that relies on Julius Randle dribbling a lot, playing a zone defense where you can kind of crowd him dribbling inside the arc is is really is more valuable. They don't have a lot of shooters. They were missing Reggie Bullock, who's their best shooter. Um, they... In general, this was a good thing to do against the Knicks. I'll be curious to see if the Blazers do it going forward. Clearly, it's something they installed. I assume we'll see it when they play Oklahoma City on Monday. or They being the Portland Trail Blazers here, not the Knicks. Um, I don't know how much we'll see it going forward beyond that, but it was clear that that was something that the team installed. Clearly, Terry Stott said, hey, we're a bad defensive team. Let's work on zone a lot in practice and try to be sort of in natural zone positions because one of the things Blazers have gotten killed on this year is that their their rotations they're trying to be more aggressive on on weak side rotations so that means when the ball's on one side of the floor the team the defenders on the opposite side of the floor they pull over like all the way to the lane so then you're, you're pulled in all the way on the weak side they really want those guys to be engaged this year but the problem is when those guys are engaged and the ball swings they've got to sprint then Everyone's caught in rotations. You got to communicate and 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 talk and and recover and and pass guys off and all these things. And the Blazers' communication and their ability to sort of pass guys off and switch and do all those things—it's been terrible. They've been terrible at it. So the zone, in some ways, makes the communicating and the pointing a little more natural because instead of trying to recover to a guy, you're more recovering to a spot. And I think um, I do think the zone will mask some of their issues. It will not make them a good defensive team on its own but it will probably mask some of their shortcomings against the right matchups and against the Knicks it was a it was a pretty it worked pretty well um not every team in the NBA has as many bricklayers as the Knicks so in the future it might be a way that you get totally burned if you play against a team with good shooters and a really good passer they can pick you apart in the zone it's hard to zone up against teams like that but against the Knicks against the Thunder um potentially even against the Rockets coming up you can you can run that chance they even run it all week when they play Chicago on Saturday. So the two things we saw from Stotts in practice was more movement sets with the second unit and a, an obvious commitment to running and trying his own defense. Played a little bit with Derek Jones Jr. at the top of the zone using his length up there, much like he did in Miami. I thought that was useful. He also he didn't always play uh, Derek at the top of the zone. It wasn't like a. a a strict hard and fast rule, but uh, it looks pretty good. I, I think this, I think both of the things that Terry Stotts clearly worked on in, in practice with this team were effective. Um, the reason why they lost the game was not due to some sort of like lack of um, 
was because they just didn't execute very well down the stretch. Um, if you want to blame the coaching staff on that, you can. But when Julius Randle steals the ball away from Anthony Simons and Derek Jones Jr. tosses a pass into the stands, I'm having a hard time pointing at the coach. All right, in the third segment, I want to come back and answer this simple question. Is anything we saw on Sunday night sustainable? Let's do that in the third segment. We'll close out the show answering that simple one. But first, let me tell you all about Bet Online. It's betting season, y'all. Like, it's, I've been saying that, but we're, we're heading into the greatest betting two-week window of the year. It's called the Super Bowl. I'm not sure I'm allowed to use that term on this podcast, so I'm going to say it's a big football game where they decide the champion of the NFL. JK, I'm not afraid of copyrights. The Super Bowl's coming up. It's a great time to bet. So go to betonline.ag, open up a free account, Use the promo code locked on because when you'll do, when you do, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus. If you're not someone who wants to bet on the Super Bowl, that's okay. You can bet on the big football game. But if that doesn't interest you either, the NBA's happen every night. You might be a big Blazer fan. Get some money on this team or fade them. Either way, whatever you want to do, make sure you head over to betonline.ag and use the promo code locked on. You'll receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Still a pass first point guard. Still Mike Richmond. You're still listening to Locked on Blazers. Mailbag Monday's coming up tomorrow. Our weekly mailbag show, which I record on Monday nights and post on Tuesdays. We do it each week. And if you want to get involved, Make sure you tweet at me, at Mike G. Rich, with your question, or you can email the show, LockedOnBlazersPod at gmail.com to get involved. It's a ton of fun. I'd love to have you. All right, we talked the most important number. We talked about what the Blazers learned in practice, clearly things they installed in five days of practice. But I want to answer this. I want to close out the show answering a simple question. Is what we saw against the Knicks sustainable? Are the, are the Blazers going to score 70 points in most halves? No, 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 no. Are they going to have bad third quarters? Yeah, maybe that'll happen. They've been doing it for a while. It's kind of their signature move. Actually, the numbers suggest that they're not really that bad of a third quarter team. They're just kind of, um, you know, not normally not good third quarter team. But I think... I do think some of this is sustainable. They made 17 of 46 three-pointers in this game. They started incredibly hot. They made 13 of the first 25. So the guy went a little cold there late. But uh, I think 46 threes is about the right number for them to take. You might think that's too many. Um, That's okay. We can disagree. I don't. I think 45 is a great number. Uh, 40-plus is a perfectly good number for this team. Uh, It'd be better if Robert Covington didn't go 0 for 6. But... um, and, and Mello go two for 10, you know, them combined to go two for 16 from three is probably not the great, a great formula. And I think they can be better, but, but they, as a team, they shot 37% from three. I mean, I think that's, I, I believe that's right around league average this year. Might be slightly a shade below, but uh, this, this is sustainable. This, the, the, the hot shooting in the first half that kind of put them at the 70 point, uh, 
mark normalized in the second half, but this wasn't a game where they just shot crazy. So it wasn't like they beat the Knicks just thanks to like magical offense. They weren't particularly good on defense late in this game. And I think that's my, my other takeaway here is that, um, like the sustainability of that fourth last four minutes meltdown, or it's like, is that, is that sort of the real blazers when teams put pressure on, you know, here's what happened. The Knicks double team Dame starting at basically behind half court or right at half court, a couple steps behind half court. And he would give the ball up and twice Anthony Simons turned it over. Once uh, Derek Jones Jr. turned it over. Terry Stotts was just uh, rotating any cast of characters in there who wouldn't turn the ball over. Turned out the best option was Carmelo Anthony, who's not much of a dribbler or passer, but is a very strong grown adult man. One of the things that I think might be sustainable, I think is the best way to say this, is that teams are going to figure out that Damian Lillard doesn't have a lot of help. As a There's no secondary ball handler or no secondary playmaker. All of you screaming the team needs a point guard, I'm starting to join, I'm starting to join the chorus. They certainly look like they could use someone else who is capable of dribbling at an NBA level. So I think some of their struggles are sustainable. I think the defense down the stretch and I think the sort of lack of secondary playmaking behind Dame. I think those are two things we saw against the Knicks that are going to pop up going forward. But the positive stuff will end with will end on end the episode talking positive. Look at me. Look at me turning over a new leaf, getting the pessimism out of the way early so we can be optimistic to close the show. One of the things I think is sustainable going forward is just sort of the light production that the Blazers got from uh from Ant, like Simon, Simon's looked better in this game offensively at 13 in the first half. And I don't like he shot it really well, uh, but I don't think he, he, I don't think he took or I don't think he took shots that he can't make. Like, I think he, he took good shots in rhythm. He scored better with Dame on the court. Not surprisingly. Um, it's, I, I think he, I think he can settle into a role with, with, I think he can settle into some offensive production if he's asked to do a little bit less in the playmaking world. He's, he's not going to be asked to do a little bit less every single night. Um, and other teams are going to demand that he does. But I think with uh, sort of more creative sets, more just move, more movement sets and more pl- him playing off Dame, I think Simons is sort of a sustainable eight or nine points. He's probably scored, he scored above that. But I think that was pretty, um, I think it was sort of a typical game. I wouldn't, I don't think he, I don't think he played out of his depth. Uh, Damian Lord had 39 and eight. I don't think he's going to score 40 every single night, but him scoring 35 with eight assists going forward is a sustainable level of production. That doesn't surprise me. The efficiency tonight was maybe more than you can ask for on most nights, just because he was so, 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 so hot to start the game. You know, he, he finished three of nine from the floor after eight for eight start, but I think Dame's production is right where you could expect. And I think if Rocco ever remembers how to shoot again, uh, he could provide a real outlet. Carmelo Anthony hit or miss, you know, three of 14. I don't think he was, he had some ba- bad decision-making um, with that second unit. He took he took three or four just really, really bad shots, but he also missed some, uh, particularly three really clean looks at threes, just wide open looks at threes he can make. That's a sustainable thing. Generating an open three is a sustainable thing. Like I said, I think, I think, I think for the most part, beyond the final five minutes where the Blazers looked terrible and a team played 
physical, attentive, full-court defense and totally took them out of the rhythm. Um, Just a familiar theme from Blazer playoff games of the past. I think the Blazers' offense looked fine and I think the defense looked somewhat passable but it's it this team's all it, this team their path forward is to maintain an elite offense and they didn't look like they're in trouble of losing that so I think Dame's production is sustainable I think you could get I think the level of production from a supporting cast was totally reasonable although it might be different guys at different times I think Derek Jones Jr. had a really nice game tonight and I don't think he played really outside of his depth there, there are going to be some bumps along the way. There might even be a bump tomorrow night against Oklahoma City. But I don't think anything the, the Blazers did in this game against the Knicks makes me think like, okay, yeah, but they can't do this every night without, without CJ and Nurk. Nothing about this game says that. This was all very believable level of production and the type of, they'll have to play better against better teams. That's just kind of how the league works. But there wasn't anything tonight that was such a crazy outlier um, early shooting, but in the end, the shooting kind of stabilized and and to be a very reasonable number. And so, for me, the answer to the simple question was this sustainable? Absolutely. What you saw tonight is who is who they can be. This is who they're capable of being. Their star played like a star, but he didn't play. He didn't play crazy. Beyond, he wasn't scoring sixty five. He played right at a level that you know he's capable of playing, and. You know, tonight was it was Gary and Anthony Simons making shots, but Carmelo Anthony is capable of doing it. I swear Robert Covington used to be a league average three-point shooter, and maybe he'll get back there. But I don't think I don't think they got the type of outlier outlier production from either their best player or his supporting cast where you say, okay, but it was the Knicks, and can they do it again? I, I think this was I think this was a sustainable game where you saw the obvious game plan, you saw a defensive shift, and then you saw what is going to be the Blazers' weaknesses. I think this next game was a perfect microcosm of what we're going to see for the next six weeks. Dame is a star. Somebody has to help him each night. Tonight it was it was Ant and Gary offensively and Cantor with some nice plays on the late in the defensive end. Dame's excellence, some type of supporting cast help, and a defense that recognizes its weaknesses and an offense that recognizes what to do when their star player is out of the game. That's it. That's the sustainability. They check the boxes tonight against the Knicks. If they do that going forward, they're going to be competitive. Like I said, there's going to be bumps in the road where y'all are going to be mad. And I accept it. I think that's totally right. There is no wrong way to fan. But I think what I think Sunday's game was in many ways the formula that also showed the warts. And if you can't learn from a game where they the, they showed their process, executed for the most part, and then showed their struggles, yeah, I don't think you can learn from any game. This Knicks game was more informative than I would have guessed. So thanks to Terry Stotts and the crew and Tom Thibodeau and his fellows for helping us learn something about the Blazers that I think will be really important. As we go forward, I think all of, I think we learned enough. We saw enough of sort of the formula of the plan and of the weaknesses that we, we know what these next six weeks are going to look like. And I think the next game was a, a perfect little example, a perfect little window into what that future is going to be. Like I said, mailbag Mondays coming at you tomorrow. So if you're listening to this either late Sunday night when I post it or early on Monday morning, 
shoot me a tweet at Mike G. Rich on Twitter or an email LockedOnBlazersPod at email.com to get involved in our weekly mailbag show. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already get podcasts. Just search Locked On Blazers. will be there waiting for you. Here's something I haven't done in a while. If you enjoy this podcast, how about giving it a five-star review on Apple Podcasts? It helps the show be more visible, and quite frankly, I just really would appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Talk to you soon.